Ball's out. Picked up by the Vikings. Joseph. Can he win this long foot race? Linval Joseph. No flags. Touchdown, Minnesota. Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending 15 minutes with me today back in the saddle. We're here heading into championship weekend. The Chiefs host the Patriots and the Saints host the Rams, while our Vikings have been home for three weeks. Right now, the biggest thing going on in Egan, Minnesota, is a mild coaching search looking for that offensive line coach, wide receivers coach, and special teams coordinator. There is a ton of hope surrounding the hires that Minnesota has made. We're placing our bets on the young combo of Kevin Stefanski and Clint Kubiak. K-Step has his interim tag removed. He's our offensive coordinator, even though it took a bit too long. Last contract expired. He was interviewing in Cleveland. That all blows over the Browns hire Freddie Kitchens as their head coach. Stefanski returns to Mini. Does the fact that K-Step is already getting HUD coaching interest give us some pause? We've been through four offense coordinators in the last five years. Personally, I'm not too concerned. For various reasons, we have time to discuss that though. More important is the staff joining Kevin. He reunites with Clint Kubiak who makes his return to Mini as well. Our new quarterback coach worked with Stefanski in 2013 and 2014. So our offensive coordinator is 36, our quarterback's coach is 31, and overseeing both of them is the 57-year-old, 23-year veteran, Clint's dad, Gary. A new assistant head coach and offensive advisor. I love this hire. Kubiak's experience on the offensive side of the ball gives Minnesota the expertise that has been sorely needed since Norv Turner departed. His scheme is defined by the zone run, which Dalvin Cook excels at, and the play-action pass, that's Kirk Cousins' specialty. Gary Kubiak's track record is littered with positive results. Four Super Bowl wins and a history of offensive success with average quarterbacks. Top 10 scoring offenses with John Elway, Brian Greasy, Jake Plummer, Matt Schaub, and Joe Flacco. Impressive. And don't forget the impact at running back either with Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis, and Mike Anderson feasting in Denver. This is a fit. There is clear thinking here. Give the young guru all the support he needs to fix the offense. Give Zimmer an advisor with the offensive strengths he lacks and head coaching experience. Another voice in the room. The hires can be viewed poorly as Stefanski and even Zimmer are at risk. I believe both those guys will benefit greatly from these hires. Even with Gary Kubiak, the conversation centers around Stefanski. His scheme will be the biggest question of 2019. The Kubiaks will be tasked with getting better performance out of the run game and Kirk Cousins. So we start the 2019 season in encouraging fashion. George Edwards, our defensive coordinator, interviewed in Tampa Bay this month, but he's returning. Mike Prefer, not Kevin Stefanski, is the one heading to Cleveland. He's their special teams coordinator. Minnesota needs a new one. And the kicker Dan Bailey is a free agent. And the punter Matt Wow hits the market too. And there's no current contract for returner Marcus Sheros either. Massive change on the Vikings special teams unit. 
they clearly aren't done. The coaching staff needs to be completed. While most fans are looking ahead to free agency, even the draft, we move slow here on this pod. Before we start fixing, we have to know what's broken. We have to learn some lessons from 2018. This podcast sets the stage for Flip's entire offseason strategy. Three lessons from the year that was. Every season, I break down snap counts, success rate numbers, scoring by quarter, and some other easily accessible stats. At the end of the year, they aren't as important, but we have to live in the data to figure out what went wrong. For example, the 2018 Minnesota Vikings loved slow starts. They had a negative 23 first half point differential and a plus 44 second half point spread. Soak that in. The offense ranked 19th in points with 22.5 per game. That drops to 21.2 when you remove defensive scores. Marinate that. The Linval Joseph fumble return, the Daniil Hunter score, the Mike Hughes pick six all the way back in week one. If you remove those plays, Minnie had a bottom 10 scoring offense. The offense finished 29th in run success rate and 10th in pass success. They were explosive in neither phase, both with a ranking at or below 20th. Our Purple were the most efficient team in the league, passing two tight ends. For many reasons, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen couldn't carry the Vikings offense despite that hot start. The unit overall couldn't achieve balance, and it wasn't explosive. The good news is that our Vikes pass offense is efficient enough to compete. It's definitely a tick below the four playoff teams this weekend, but the success rate numbers hold up. The key is explosiveness. Top squads rank 1st to 17th in explosive passing. Minnesota ranked 24th. Kansas City, New Orleans, and the Los Angeles Rams are the three most dynamic offenses in the league. They generate success through big plays. Our Purple came nowhere close to doing that. Add on to that 20 turnovers, that isn't a big amount, but it's the most during the Mike Zimmer era. Over the last five years, the Vikings have always been a top 20 team in protecting the football. It didn't happen this year, and we all noticed the difference. In terms of targets, the Viking pass game ran through the receivers, as we should, and we all know that. Many target receivers on 67% of their passes, tied with Houston for the highest percent in the league. All the other playoff teams pass to running backs and tight ends far more often. Whether it's Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey or Tariq Cohen or Zeke Elliott or James White, another passing weapon can bring balance too. So what are the lessons? How do we fix this misfiring offense? Our Vikes need a more explosive pass game and a more efficient rush attack. The turnovers need to decrease. Finally, most importantly, let's all realize it's possible to make these changes in one year. Just look at what the Rams and Saints did in 2017. Look at how Dallas and Baltimore reinvented themselves in 2018. Smart moves will fix the offense quickly. This is not a full rebuild.
as we touched on before, the purple offense generated 21.2 points per game after you remove defensive scores. That number is important. I'm restating it because the defense allowed 21.3 points per game. And that includes six defensive scores against them. Don't be fooled, y'all. We still have a top five scoring defense on our hands. The Vikings are a leader in pass defense. We had a playoff caliber pass defense. The defensive success rate summary shows that. Fourth in pass success allowed, but 27th in run success. Great at preventing explosive plays, top 10 against both rushing and passing there. Zimmer's unit continues to struggle against tight ends, and running backs can also hit them up for big games. So the run defense needs major work. That's the weakness that I think a lot of Vikings fans overlook. Many allowed 51% run success rate. It's not the big plays, they were great there. It's the key second and short, third and short situations that made the defense lose a step. The games against Chicago and New Orleans show it best. Now, outside of time of possession, does the run defense really matter? Not really. I mean, New England, for example, doesn't have a good run D. Kansas City definitely doesn't. This just leads to the conversation of complementary football. If Minnesota can create better offense like the top teams in the NFL do, there's really no need to nitpick our defense. We're doing it here because we're trying to take any lessons we can from 2018's failure. Some of it, like run defense, might not be that important. That extends to turnovers too. Do they need to generate more on defense? The last few seasons, I've looked back at RD, and frankly, I've been stunned at how few turnovers they create. Outside of a spurt early on in 2016, they've been mediocre at best. While we could ask for improvement here, Mike Zimmer's strategy seems to be working. He sacrifices turnovers and ball hawking for the sake of eliminating the big play. And another note on the defense, should we care about sacks? The defensive line was great, their 50 sacks were third best in the NFL, and at times they came in bunches. But no sacks over the last three weeks. It's interesting. I don't weigh sacks heavily, but maybe the combination of no sacks and no turnovers hurts the defense's viability. Not enough negative plays being forced. So the big takeaways here, the defense has to be better about getting off the field either through turnovers or improved run defense. That's the only lesson, if you're counting, that's one defensive improvement and four offensive fixes. An improved offense could improve the defense anyways. I'm very bullish on the Vikings' defense. The only question is how they look after losing some talent on that side of the ball, a topic for the next podcast. Here is another lesson. Watch the playoffs. Big-time opponents and primetime games gave our Vikes trouble all year. 1-6 against playoff teams this season, 2-6 in games that didn't start at noon central. These playoff games can be critical areas of learning. Think about this. After going 1-6 in 2018, Minnesota has 7 games against playoff opponents in 2019. Five of those games will be on the road, where they went 3-4-1 overall in 2018. The current playoffs matter not just to determine the 2018 champion. Many needs to beat these tournament teams in eight months. 
So what do these playoff teams do well? First, they streak. We find pretty easily most of these teams had late season surges. The eight wildcard teams, for example, went 25-7 and in the last quarter of the season. These same teams went 500 in the first quarter of the year. Now you hear the cliche all the time, December football is more important than September football. It's not about how you start, it's how you finish. Well, it's hard to argue with those statements based on these records. You can go 2-2 two and two in your first four games as long as you go 3-1 and one in your last four. Let's remember that for 2019. Looking at our Vikes, they started 1-2-1 two and one and ended 2-2. Two and two. If we're going to have regrets, they should probably be about the losses to Seattle and Chicago late in the year, not the losses to Buffalo or the Rams or even the tie to Green Bay. You see, in September, of course, you're trying to win games, but the necessity, the pressure isn't there. A team that doesn't respond to pressure well when everyone knows what's on the line can't win in December. And a team that can't win in December can't make the playoffs. Now, why did I share a stat on the wildcard teams only here, not the main four, the best four teams left? Because that's the first step. Make the tournament. Of course, the best teams in the NFL streak too. Kansas City won five in a row. LA won 10 in a row. Many didn't streak like these teams streaked. 10 out of the 12 playoff teams had at least a four-game winning streak in 2018. In these terms for many, the games against New Orleans and Chicago were huge for our purple. They win those games and boom, you have a string of wins needed to make the January tournament. That's another lesson. Win streaks aren't nice. They're mandatory. Super Bowls require three-game win streaks at minimum, we can't expect a trophy for a team that can barely win three regular season contests in a row. So we reviewed the offensive lessons, defensive improvements, how to turn our purple back into a playoff contender. But there's something else. Again, look at the playoff teams. I look at the coaching efforts happening in New England, Kansas City, and Los Angeles. Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, and Sean McVay are experts creating well-thought-out schemes. I look at how Indy turned it all around in year one, offensive coordinator, quarterback, and offensive line providing all the impact they needed. That's our dream for Minnesota in 2019. There's a bounce back in Dallas too when everyone doubted them. The shift in Baltimore, reinventing themselves mid-season. Then I look at the attitude, the swagger of the Bears and Saints, the never-say-die mentality the Eagles display. Man, we want all that in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer has proven he can create the best defensive scheme in the league, identify top-tier talent, produce consistent results. Some criticize his lack of offensive prowess. That doesn't faze me. Zimmer is every bit of the defensive coach that Belichick, Reed, and McVay are schematically. And those coaches have guys like Josh McDaniels and Wade Phillips coaching the other unit. There's nothing wrong with Zimmer needing offensive expertise on the other side. That's what the Kubiaks are here to do, so Mike Zimmer being a one-sided head coach won't prevent us from reaching the summit. What do those teams do different? They acquire talent in a different way. Look at the Rams, offensive coach, defense-heavy spending. 
Same with Kansas City. New England is the opposite. Defensive coach, offense-heavy spending. Zimmer and Spielman must go this route. Zimmer coaching a defense with less invested there. Throw the majority of cap and draft capital on the offense. This take comes directly from our CTP headman, Jason Brown. It'll be the theme of the 2019 offseason. And we want a team with intestinal fortitude, guts, attitude, swagger. The most depressing part of 2018 was watching the other teams figure it out on the fly while Minnesota floundered. Seattle, Philadelphia, Indianapolis. The Eagles persevered. Three cornerbacks injured, two running backs to quarterback, missing Derek Barnett, a pass rusher. Still, they show up to play in December, in January. They play tough against tough teams. Take Dallas to overtime in Dallas. Beat Los Angeles in LA. Beat Houston and shut out Washington to clinch the playoff berth. When have we seen the Vikings overcome anything like that? Determination is sorely needed, and that's why we need to see a very different cast of talented, loud leaders in 2019. I've had enough of the silent style of leadership. Riley Reef is a team captain? I loved Linval Joseph's game, but sorry man, the style has to change. Kirk Cousins didn't show any leadership skills to be considered a captain. He's an emotional wreck compared to Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, and Case Keenum. Let's say this again. Seven games against playoff teams next year. Five of them on the road. When the going gets tough, what will the Minnesota Vikings do? 2019 swagger. We want it. Sean Payton's locker rooms. The Bears dancing. It's not just about the fun. It's about the cohesive culture and the vision that exists. Does many have that? Sure, they got fancy new digs. But come on, we got goofy-ass celebrations and donut clubs. They aren't taking the game to any opponents with that weak-ass attitude. It shows up on Sundays, negative 23 first-half point differential. Beyond all the X's and O's and roster talent and free agent strategy and mock drafts, draft crushes, we need to realize the 2018 Minnesota Vikings were a paper giant. The lesson is, that doesn't work. Building another paper giant would be silly. The key change that needs to happen is a mental shift. Everyone doubts them. The aging defense losing pieces. The offense without an identity. Brand new special teams unit. Everyone will doubt this team. With that in mind, Mike Zimmer touched it briefly in his exit interview. Attitude is the only path forward. Let's see it infect every part of the offseason in Minnesota. Let's hope for a brand new swagger in the new year. That's all for today, folks. Skull Vikes. Skull Vikes.